Welcome to Growth Marketing Today, where marketers, designers, and product owners level up their growth marketing chops from experts in today's top startups. Here's your host, Ramley John. Welcome to episode 100 of Growth Marketing Today. I can't believe we've gotten this far. My name is Ramley John. I'm your host of this podcast. Today is the 100th episode of Growth Marketing Today, and it's only appropriate that the topic for this episode is all about growth. Now, ever since Sean Ellis, previously the founder and CEO of GrowthHackers.com, coined the term growth hacking in 2010, there's been a lot of misconception about that term. Today, I have Anuj Adia, who worked with Sean Ellis at Growth Hackers as the Director of Engagement and Analytics. He also wrote the book Growth Hacking for Dummies that just came out. Anuj has also mentored and coached many startups on the growth methodology at the Harvard Innovation Labs. He's currently the VP of Growth at Jamber. If you can call anyone a growth expert, Anuj is one of them. So in episode 100, you learn the difference between traditional marketing and growth hacking. Second, how to build a growth team from the ground up. And third, common mistakes when it comes to growth and how you can avoid it at your company. Now, before we jump in, I just want to share with you that I put together all the tips from this episode. I traditionally say that it's a one-page PDF. I'm going to tell you right now that this episode is so jam-packed with value that this is a two-page PDF with all the actual tips that you can take away from this episode and apply to your business and grow it. Why take notes about this episode and pause it and write notes? Don't do that. You're just you're wasting your time because I've already done that for you. Just steal mine. Steal my notes. You can go to growtoday.fm forward slash 100 right now or find that link in the description of this show. Now, this is a special episode. This is going to be an ad-free experience. There won't be any ads. So you're just going to listen right through it. So I'm going to shut up right now. Let's jump in in my chat with Anuj. Hey everybody, I'm so excited to finally chat with Anuj. He is the author of Growth Hacking for Dummies. He's worked with Sean Ellis. He's uh, you know advised so many startups uh, and he's VB of Growth at Jamber. I'm so excited to chat with him. How, how is it going, with Anuj? How are things with you? Even better now that I get to chat with you. So this, this is I appreciate great. that. I'm humbled. <laughs> I should be I should, appre- <laughs> I should be appreciating you for taking the time to chat with me. Uh, you know, before, before I... We get into growth. I love asking people their story, you know, just kind of humanizes people. And like, it's just interesting where people's journey has come from. How, how did you, you know, what is your, your story so far to, you know, actually writing and becoming the author of Growth Hacking for, uh, for Dummies? Yeah, I stumbled into growth really, really accidentally. And uh, September 30th, 2013 was the day my life changed mm. because that was the day and the only day that Sean Ellis tweeted out that, hey, we've got this thing called Growth Hackers, come check it out. Uh, and I happened to see it of the thousands of tweets I could have seen that day, uh, got on it. Uh, and it looked like, you know, there's all these people discussing awesome content and having, you know, really in-depth discussions. And at that time, I had this very selfish idea that I'm going to throw in content, I'm going to let all these people discuss it, and I'm going to, you know, uh, basically benefit from that conversation because I knew nothing about it, right? Uh, but little did I know that people would start asking me for my opinions and what I thought, which meant I had to now go and read what I had posted. Sometimes <laughs> I had it. <laughs> right? uh, and, you know, when you have people like Sean and other big names telling you, hey, thanks for posting this, this was really useful, that starts to, you know, you get that little dopamine hit, right? 
uh, and so and then then that becomes a habit because you want that hit again and again and after a couple years of this you know they were like this is just stupid we should we should just get onto the team because i was almost like a quasi team member at that point because uh, i was the most active member on growth hackers by then uh, and you know then and so i was literally that dummy uh, you know five years ago because i have degrees in you know chemistry and biochemistry nothing to do with growth also i thought um, and you know getting to learn directly from sean was like you know just this life changing experience which has enabled everything i've done after and was what gave me the authority to even write this book because you know it's come from like the source and it's come from the experience i've had learning from him and you know this is the book i wrote for you know myself 5 years ago this was the book i hoped you know i would have had access to for somebody who comes knowing zero about the topic you know to have something laid out to them in just plain english that's a that's a great way to for you to put that you know you wrote it for yourself from 5 years ago right like that a lot of people uh you know are not sure what what even growth hacking is which which brings up that point i'm i'm curious how you define what growth hacking is and how is it different from marketing cuz it's that one of those terms where uh you know people have just what's the best way to use it they've taken it and uh they've used it for wrong purposes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> job yeah. descriptions uh you know oh we're right hiring a growth hacker but like are you really hiring a growth hacker so what is your definition yeah. for growth hacking and that was actually also part of the reason i wrote the book it was just like a pet peeve of mine that it was being you know almost bastardized in a way yeah that's what i was going to say right so this was my optimistic attempt to stem the tide a little bit um and so i'm i'm going to try and not use jargon here so i think for me growth hacking uh, is the process of continually and rapidly testing uh, across the sum of experiences that customers go through while interacting with your company and brand and you do this to learn about repeatable and scalable activities uh, that grow the value of your business and the value that it provides your customers and it's really as simple and as complicated as that and so where the difference is is that with traditional marketing uh, that's always been about getting people you know to or to become interested in your product right so its major focus is on promoting finished products and its biggest goal is to fill your sales pipeline and generate revenue right and you know you do this through a variety of methods right whether it's content marketing and search engine optimization and pr and social media and all the other things that bring attention and interest you know to the product that you're selling uh and but growth hacking i think relies more on the product itself right and the entire customer journey itself to unlock growth rather than simply attracting people to the product and so you know whereas traditional marketers you know may no doubt right be optimizing for how they bring people to the product i think you know, the fact that growth professionals consider the entire customer journey with an explicit focus on retention uh, right uh, and so it's because of this sort of product level focus that i think that growth professionals are more uh, sort of amenable and it's more easy for them to team up with product and engineering to learn more about what does it take to get someone to not only come to the product but then also remain a devoted customer because of what they experience and the value they get from the product right so uh, so so you know although i think traditional marketing and growth you know hacking have some overlap 
uh, so, you know, I think that maybe practitioners on both sides of the aisle may even use many of the same techniques. I think they really have fundamentally different goals. Yeah, that that totally makes sense. Uh, I love the word you use, your your pet peeves about people <laughs> using growth hacking, which brings up the question, you know, what's what's misconceptions that are common that you're finding, you know, a lot of people are attaching to growth hacking? And, you know, you've mentioned a few things there, but can you just kind of put it all together? And like, what are misconceptions about yeah. around growth hacking? Oh, and there's many, right? But mm. I think the the biggest one is sort of what you alluded to, right? Is that many people equate growth hacking with spammy tactics and shortcuts and tricks and ploys, right? And you'll see this regularly, you know, when people uh, come across some underhanded tactic that they'll go out on Twitter and they'll say, oh, stop with the growth hacking, right? And in quotes. Uh, and, you know, and, and I think part of this is, A, I think because there is still a lack of understanding so that it's allowed these bad actors to come in and co-opt the phase. And of course, people get hung up a lot on the hacking bit because they think of the typical Hollywood stereotype of doing something illegal, right? And so it's that combination of things you know, that then it makes people who are victims of these spammy tactics, you know, feel like that's what growth hackers do, right? And this is, I mean, it's unfortunate, right? Because what I think Sean Ellis intended with the hacking part of the phrase was to speak more to the creativity and the subject matter expertise and just like, you know, the sheer doggedness you need, right? To endure the failure, you know, as you would try to find your avenue of breakout growth, right? And you know, if you just stop to think about it for a second, if the entire premise of growth hacking is about finding your opportunities for sustainable growth, and I think the word sustainable gets missed a lot, that that's a core of the ethos of growth hacking, then it just doesn't logically stand that you would do things that are by definition unsustainable, like tricking people, to build a sustainable business. So by definition, those things are not growth hacking, right? And I think if, if, if people took away nothing else from everything else they hear from our conversation, I think if you just take away this, I'll consider it a giant victory. That's so good. That, that's, that's so true. And, and, you know, like that's exactly what I've been uh, thinking a lot about as well is, you know, we're, we're talking about growth hacking as trying to find the sustainability through through this experimentation process. I, I want to talk a lot about growth teams because they're the ones that usually run, you know, they're the ones that will run those experiments. What what do growth teams look like in different companies, whether, you know, that's uh, a, a, a dedicated growth team or it's more like, uh, you know, a SWAT team? Like, well, what does a growth team look like uh, within organizations? Yeah, so I think firstly, I think it depends, right, on the stage of the company, and it also depends on, uh, you know, sort of the maturity of the company when it comes to being data-driven and experimental as well. Uh, so in many cases, it starts out as a growth team of one. Uh, right? And so, and it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, the marketer or somebody from product. It could just be somebody who's just a really good project manager. Because that's what they do. And that's why it's very common for many people to call, you know, the growth team lead, you know, the PM of growth. Because that's really what they're doing is ensuring that week after week, whatever we said we'd do, we would do and take what we learn and use that to inform what we do next. Right? That's the basic definition of what a project manager does. 
uh, and but you know they when they generally start out like that the entire reason to do it that way is because this is a sort of new way of operating at times for many companies is you, you need to sort of prove it out that this works and show the wins you know and the benefits of operating in this experimental sprint based format week after week and that's what then allows other people in the company to say hey like why do you get to have all the fun right with all of these tests right even i want to play uh, and you know that's how you sort of evolve the role of the growth team where it starts out as maybe one person dedicated and at the start you know and i think this holds true even for after a while like we don't have infinite resources at companies right so there's a ton of begging and pleading and saying i'll buy you pizza and i'll buy you beer uh so can i have 2 hours of this person's time and can i get this engineer and can i have this designer time uh to just deliver on some of these uh, experiments you want to launch and over time as you start to show more and more of these wins is when you build the justification for okay there needs to be a dedicated growth team and even and even there you know it's it's incremental right so if you just think of yeah and i'll step ahead to make the point for a second like at its you know when it's finally built out and this is true i think maybe for most companies is it would be one growth team that would in, include all the key stakeholders across all of the teams in the company right so you will have marketing represented product engineering sales creative if it's if it's an own department analytics whoever needs to be there uh, because the entire point of growth is that it's a team sport right so if everybody mm-hmm. isn't involved uh, then you're never going to be able to harness the entire company in growth which is really what you need uh, but before you get there it's it's a bit of a progression right so when you start with one then you start with one person begging for resources and then at some point you know there's enough of begging and there's enough of enough of a sort of a result have been shown to say okay you can get one person who do you want right and maybe the likely the first person you'd want is like a growth engineer like a dedicated person to help you get some of these tests out more quickly because tests that don't need engineering are almost always you know sort of either acquisition type tests or if they're within product they're more like notification type tests so they're smaller in 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 that sense from the product perspective but if you want to have bigger impact you'll likely need an engineer first uh, but then when you need an engineer you'll find that you know if you're going to do in product uh, tests oh, you know we need to have some consistency with the look and feel maybe we need a designer so you'll start to beg yeah. for designer time and then that makes the case for okay now i have the designer but then you start to run these bigger tests and you start to get uh, more uh, you know more and more of these outcomes that you need to start analyzing and you know your time may not be enough for that and that maybe starts to make uh, the case for a data analyst on the team and so that's what i mean by it, it it's a progression that then finally gets you you know to this ideal of the growth team that everybody seems to think of you know a growth team is i really like how you kind of laid it out that it is you know you start you usually starts off with, with one growth pm and then it kind of progresses there i'm really curious if you know for companies the big one of the best ways to grow is like to keep your current users and just keep them for a long time should every company then have a growth team and i'm i'm prefacing this with a, with a, you know my observation the majority of b2b saas are kind of leaning towards that very few e-commerce businesses i i've seen they're really focused on let's just run ads man let's just get some influencers 
right. but you know i'm seeing jabber is is uh, you know they're they're selling physical products but they have a growth team so you know the first the first question is should every company have a growth team i i think i want to be careful you know when we say things like should every company have a growth team that it's not necessary that you know it needs to be this formal definition of a growth team right because even at jamber it's sort of a you know it's a small company so basically everybody's on the growth team yeah. uh and, but even though i'm doing a lot of the nitty gritty of what's happening everybody is still involved uh and while yes you would think that in e-commerce there's a lot of focus being put on acquisition right because unlike a saas product i can't make changes on this physical product every week and uh you know test what happens uh, so uh, i i think it's more about taking the perspective of is the entire company or whoever is going to be focused on growth taking the entire customer journey into account because that's really what a growth team is doing is they're looking at the entire customer journey and saying okay where is the biggest opportunity uh, for growth right now and let me double down on that and it's not like acquisition will ever stop becoming important but at some point if you acquire users just like with a saas product right we all talk about the r funnel right the acquisition activation retention revenue and referral that up still applies you know to a physical product as much as it does to a saas product right so acquisition is still important but when they come to the website activation which is that light bulb going off that yeah this is an awesome product i need it still applies right and now it's it's a you know re- retention is a bit different in that you know if i'm selling you a physical product retention is you coming back and buying more of the product right versus you coming and using more of the product because i don't know once you bought it what you do with it right so but so i think it's just a matter of uh, seeing how these common frameworks that we've been used to reading about how they apply in slightly different concepts uh, and in contexts uh, because they do and then applying that same lens of where is the biggest opportunity it's like if i'm having no problem attracting uh, customers but a lot of them don't convert over maybe it's an activation problem or if i have a lot of people coming and buying and they buy only once like why are they not buying again like they, they clearly love the product you know so what what's you know you know what's the thing that's stopping them from buying again do i am i just not emailing them enough like things like that you know or if they're buying and they keep buying but they don't tell their friends like why like so that's still a referral problem uh, right or even if it's a revenue problem uh, you know where it, which it can be like you know you always make a sale of 40 dollars no matter what like how do you get 40 to become 100 right so all of those uh, sort of concepts still apply here and i think that's the lens to which i look at growth Uh, you know or a growth team from the perspective of an e-commerce business you know i never saw i never saw it in that perspective like you know you know the pirate metrics and that are the r funnel still applies to e-commerce and you know there's a lot of experimentation you can do you know i might be putting in a spot here i'm curious you know what kind of experiments have you run with jamber you know you talked about uh, email and th- you talked about referral are those the kind of stuff that you've you've done in the past for jamber yeah so we didn't have a referral program uh, until a few months back uh and so you know testing out where to even you know beyond even our main customer base like where can we induce referrals more from right so so even if it means like we tested out even though we haven't gone full hog into it you know there are a lot of these sort of deal sites uh, out there right and our referral program is such that 
you get a discount if you use somebody's referral code and the person whose referral code gets used, they actually get $10 for every referred purchase, which is a pretty good incentive. So for a lot of these deal sites, for them to put their own sort of affiliate links on there, you know, is a really good thing that works for us. Um, and uh, you know, on, on, the, on the flip side, you know, when we talk about acquisition, we really run a lot of tests on different formats uh, uh, with Facebook ads, for example. So whether, it's, whether the format is you know, GIFs or using static images or short 15-second videos, and even within those, you know, testing, is it one person? Is it two people? Are we, test, are we going to show GIFs of product features? Uh, whatever that may be. There's like 100 tests yeah. <laughs> even there. Yeah. Uh, that, so it's a constant process, and there's never a dearth of things to test out. Like even with the first experience, uh, like we had this one test that was one of the first big wins that happened where we just changed the tagline, uh, where, the, where the, the original tagline was something like, uh, you know, the, the, the science of happiness or something like that. It was some super vague thing. You know, and, and it was that way because, you know, the mugs are very, you know, the handles are very scientifically designed, which is why, you know, people like them so much. And, and you know, but it was still so, you know, engineering, you know, in a way. Uh, and uh, we changed that to made for hands. And we literally, like, just doing that, it, it made it intuitive. It's like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> <It's beautiful>. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I really, I, that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing those those ex- examples. Um, I'm, you know, big for, uh, for me, you know, be, being in growth, one of the big things that I notice a lot, a lot of people miss out on is doc- documentation. So, like, you know, documenting your, your experiments, your hypothesis. How, how is that happening for Jamper right now? Are you just using Google Docs, do Google Spreadsheet? or because oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that stuff never works because and i've tried them all i've tried excel i've tried google docs asana trello Airtable, pick uh pick your tool and none of that works and and it, it doesn't work for two reasons is one there's a lot of manualness in keeping these things updated it just kills momentum like you're doing more of updating than actually you know work that pushes your learning forward and the second big thing which is not immediately obvious is that to get all these experiments working, to get more ideas through the door, and just for everybody to be up to speed on the current status of what is happening right now. Like, what is up next? What is finished testing? What's been analyzed? What have we learned? Just to generally to keep up with all of that. Uh, you know, what you're telling people is we need a collaborative approach to growth, right? Because, again, that cliche of growth is a team sport is absolutely true is unless everybody plays and it's easy for everybody to play, then you will not be able to harness your entire company's power towards growth. Right? So this bit of being collaborative uh, is just not possible, uh, I think, in, in most of these tools. Uh, and so you know, I'm, I'm going to sound completely biased when I say this, but uh, so, so far, you know, the, the, the North Star tool from Growth Hackers is the best uh, purpose-built tool for uh, the, the purpose of managing the experimentation process, but also making it easy for anybody to collaborate with different aspects of the growth program, uh, right? Which is, 
I, I think for, for those two purposes, that, that's the best tool I've found so far. That's good to know. I actually haven't tried it. I, I'm going to, I'm going to go check it out. You know, when it comes, other than documentation, the other thing that I think a lot of people, you know, if you get this wrong, you get everything else wrong. It's picking your North star metric. And okay. you know, what are yeah. you, <laughs> what are your tips, you know, for people who might not know, first of all, what is North star metric? And how do you make sure you don't screw, screw that up? Well, it's, so so let's start with what it is, right? And and and, and to me, th- there's a true power to this beyond even what's obvious. Is the is firstly the North Star metric is that number that helps quantify the value your product provides to your customers. And for most most people, when I've asked this question of is like, what do you think it is for you? I either get blank stares. Or I get, oh, it's revenue, right? I'm making money. And I'm like, yeah, so tell me about how many apps you've downloaded that you haven't used, you know, that you paid for. And, you know, you know, hand on heart, is there a magazine subscription you really should have canceled? <laughs> like, you're, <laughs> like, you're still paying for five <laughs> years later. Yeah. Right? So just because you're paying for something doesn't mean you get value out of it. Mm. And so, you know, uh, and so the North Star metric is, is, is a very retention-focused metric. Because it has to do with use. Because only when you use something and continue to use it, which is where the sustainability of growth comes from, that you, know, you have uh, a North Star metric that then represents that value. Uh, and you know, again, this is different for every business. Like you know, Google would be number of searches. You know, Uber would be the number of rides taken. You know, because it's a win-win, right? It's it's if you deliver that value, you also make money as a consequence, right? So the revenue is a is a lagging indicator of that value you've provided. Um, and I think where people tend to get it wrong is I think they they focus either on revenue, which is too late. It doesn't tell you much, uh, right? And let's say, you know, for e-commerce, if all I was tracking was the amount of money we made every month, like, how do I know what, like, did we just provide like a hundred, like a 90% discount and that's why we got all that money, like, you know, I can goose up revenue numbers in all sorts of ways, uh, right? Or is it that one person, you know, did like Oprah show up and buy 10,000 mugs to give out to all of her, you know, people for her shows, like you get a mug and you get a mug, like, you know, it's like, what happened? Like, it's, it's meaningless, uh, right? And so, um, it, 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 so by not focusing on, I think, revenue, which is too far down, and then not focusing on acquisition because, again, just because somebody signs up or downloads something doesn't mean they used it and got value. So if the number is almost always after you know, they, they come to the product and have started to use it. It's somewhere between there and you making money off them. Uh, right? And in many cases, it's, when you don't know what it is, it's a function of asking your users. Right? I mean, what most people don't do you know, a lot of people will ask their users or for, former users, like, why did you stop using us? What a lot of people don't do is ask, why are you still using us? <laughs> and if you ask enough people, you'll, you'll find a pattern in what they're saying. And, you know, your North Star metric is likely somewhere there in what they're saying. Like, you may offer 100 features, but if most people are just using this one or two things, then maybe that's what it is. Uh, but, you know, and, and but... There's also times when it's really complicated. Uh, so, you know, like for Facebook, right? It's, a, it's an aggregate metric, for example, because there's so many things you can do on Facebook. And, and so they've just come up with a granular definition of what active means. It says you either scrolled your feed or you used Messenger, or you, you liked or you shared, 
And if you do any one of these n number of things, you're, you're considered a daily active user. Uh, you know, but there are times like with Jamber, where it's not a software product, so we can't track use. Right? So you have to sometimes find the next best proxy for it. Right? So what we are guided by at Jamber is, uh, you know, is the number of weekly orders growing? That's our North Star metric, is weekly orders. Because there's too much, currently there's still too much uh, sort of um, variation in a day-to-day -day ordering scenario. And, you know, so, and month is too long. Uh, so, you know, and so weekly lets us be nimble enough with saying, okay, are we seeing progression week after week? And the hypothesis being that if more people are buying week after week, then we are doing, you know, a better job of communicating the value of the product. Yeah, that's that's probably the best de definite the best way that I've heard North Star metric described and how to get it. So thank you for that. I really really appreciate it. And then you even define how it is for e-commerce because I've traditionally heard it mainly for B two B SaaS, like you know for for HubSpot, it's like they have a weekly active team, weekly uh, teams that are active on on their platform. But you know I've never really thought about it for e-commerce. I want to shift gears a little bit and talk more about leadership, particularly about, you know, we, we talked about building their growth team, but let's say a, a, one of the business leaders are interested in, in building out this culture, this growth process. How can they build that culture from, from the beginning? Does it, first of all, does it always start from the top down or, you know, somebody from the bottom can, like a product manager wants to implement this, they can just go go at it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it inevitably comes from somebody, you know, lower down on the totem pole. But it is going to go nowhere unless the CEO is bought in. All right. So that is like the number one thing uh, to get right. Is it, and because it, not only the CEO, but it's even the executive team as a whole, because when you get a full-blown growth team going, you'll want these execs and key stakeholders in these meetings. But even and even before you get that team going, you know, when you're doing that begging phase, right? These are the people you're going to go beg to. So if they don't understand why you're even begging, uh, they're not going to do it. All right. So and you know, just as with you know the exec team and CEO, basically being you know the people that model the culture of a company in general. Like, they, like them being on board with, okay, we're going to take this new approach of uh, uh, you know, how we, we're going to make growth happen in this company. That's what signals to everybody else that, okay, here's how you know, we're going to start thinking from here on out. And there's a lot of work to be done to get everybody on board, but it has to start right there. And again, uh, you know, as we were talking about, you, even there, you'll have, you'll have to start small. You'll have to prove it out. Uh, but just starting small and showing wins to the exec team is not enough because again you you want the entire company participating in growth and if the entire company is going to participate then by definition it means they have to know what's happening right? and and you have to be very transparent about your learnings right and where things are working not working whatever it may be if people understand what's happening why it's happening and what the results were that does a couple things. One, because they're not so deeply involved in growth, it prompts people to ask questions. So say, hey, did you think about doing it this way? Or why did you analyze it this way? Or tell me more about what your thinking was when you tried, you know, A, B, or C. Right. And so 
this is a way, you know, it's sort of your a way to ninja your way into finding other people who also might be interested in being more deeply involved in growth. Uh, but at the same time, when people see results, inevitably they'll say, hey, I have an idea too, you know, can you try that out? And that's how you get people in, you know, with playing their part in growth because, you know, the customer service rep may have ideas which you may otherwise never get or the engineering team will have ideas which, you know, that's not going to magically just show up in front of you. Uh, but all of this then has to be supplemented with, uh, you know, these behaviors being recognized and being rewarded. Right? And again, this is why the CEO and the exec team participation is so important, right? Because if people see that, hey, there are even ideas coming in from the CEO and look, you know, the team tied an idea from the CEO and it crashed and burnt, <laughs> right? Yeah. So just them knowing that, okay, it's fine and it's okay for ideas to fail because failure is not failure, failure is learning, right? And for, but for that message to get through and for people to start becoming brave enough to start participating, so they need to see that, you know, the higher-ups participating, but then also when they participate, right? You can do things like, you know, when you share these learnings, like, hey, this, of all the ideas we tied, this one failed the most spectacularly, and we're going to have the most spectacular fail award of the month provided to, you know, X person. And hey, here's a $50 Amazon card, right? Or, or you know, or just the fact that, you know, last week, you know, Ramli came and threw in 50 ideas, like, hell, that is awesome, right? Let's reward that behavior. I, I think, you know, this is the part I think that gets missed out, that the, the growth, all this growth stuff, when people talk about it, they only talk about it from the process perspective. But it's without considering the people part of it, your your growth is going to fall flat. Here's a $50 Amazon <laughs> gift card for the most crash and burn experiment. But, <laughs> right, because that's the only way you get people to think big, right? Because yeah, exactly. incremental ideas. You yeah. want people to come up with the craziest ass idea they can think of because it's the big swing that when it works leads to big growth, right? Yeah. Small swings give you small wins. Big yeah. swings give you big wins. It's you know, it's it's just logic. I, I love that. I really love how you know rewards. It's true. People talk a lot about process, but there's the culture piece, which you know reward is a big part of that. You know, getting celebrated by the company. We've been talking a lot about you know mid to larger companies. I'm curious about you know your advice for startups. I know you've mentored and coached a number of startups. Uh, about growth at you know Harvard Innovation Labs and Seed Stars, what are some common mistakes that startups make when you know it's thinking about growth or you know trying yeah. to launch a growth process when they're a smaller team where you know yeah. uh, culture is not that big of an issue or that red tape? Yeah, so there's a couple of issues. So a lot of because you know growth is still all buzzy and people like talking about it. A lot of people they think they need to have a growth team real you know like yesterday. Right, and when it is absolutely a fact that you should not be growing something that has not been validated yet, right? So, a a lot of there's still a lot of misunderstanding about when to start doing this growthy stuff, uh, and so you know product market fit. If you're not there yet, it's more about qualitatively understanding whether you're getting there or not. So you don't need all these fancy analytics tools, and you know you're still being experimental about it, you know, but you're looking for more you know, qualitative direction at that point. And for the people that are past product market fit, like they're like, okay, I'm there, right? Um, can I pour gas on growth now? Like I need a growth team now. And even there, it's like, no, 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 you're not quite there yet. Because all you've learned when you're at product market fit is that you have value. You haven't necessarily learned about the right way to deliver on that value. 
because if you pour gas on all of this fancy marketing that you want to do and you bring the million people to your door you know going back to you know the the example of the a great first experience like if people don't have that great first experience and you haven't validated what that is that those million users will be back down to zero on day 2 right so there's this step between okay i think i'm at product market fit to let me build that foundation for sustainable growth to come by ensuring i've learned what is what is it that when people show up they will truly understand what this is they will want to engage with it or at least try it out so that the odds of retaining those people beyond that day one is higher because now you validated the language that people will resonate with you validated the user flow that people will go through to understand the value right then yes so once you have an understanding of that and that's a step i think that gets missed by a lot of people is that this sort of preparation step before you go you know full hog into all things growth and even when you go full hog there you're literally just trying stuff out and it takes a little while for you to then start sort of you know wanting to make things repeatable and scalable and so i think this need for a growth team is i think far more downstream than i think most people think it will be let's let's talk about that about you know how do you systemize systemize like the stuff that's working in growth to make sure that it's integrated back to to the company so it's not just like hey you know we've done that we'll we'll we'll, oh, we'll leave it there yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and and you, you know i i've people have asked me before like what are the worst kinds of tests you can run and then i'm like the worst kind of test you can run is one which you don't learn from <laughs> right uh, and because and and this and i've fallen into the trap myself is where i've left these tests unanalyzed and i've missed out on opportunities i could have jumped on right very tough lesson to learn <laughs> when you do that um but uh when you've learned something like you really have only two two options for making what you've learned permanent one is you either systematize this by making whatever you've learned part of a product in which case you need to have this a very close relationship with the product and or engineering teams because they are also running on their own sprints right i mean the product team has their feature roadmaps mapped out the engineering team has all of their bugs they need to fix mapped out uh, right and so this is why it's important for when you're doing growth teams to have the product and engineering represented so that they can build in enough of a buffer into their processes for if something becomes a win that i have that bandwidth to very quickly make it part of either the next sprint or the sprint after because this is where a lot of tension comes from you know between you know when when growth teams are sort of separate from all the other teams and this is even true if the growth team was under a product team for example right because the engineering team still needs to know how to allocate resource right so so that's one scenario uh the second when it may not necessarily be a product thing uh is it becomes part of a process so let's say you you have a particular kind of content that's worked really well for you so let's say putting out this podcast right there's a sequence of steps you've gone through to make sure your podcast you know is performing you know at a certain level right which means it's got to have a certain look there's a certain length you've optimized for there's recording equipment you use the sound quality there's the different channels you promote on the frequency with which you promote on all of those are part of a giant playbook that you've now come up with that have nothing to do with the product but they're not a one action thing right and so 
as you learn things about, okay, I'm promoting on LinkedIn, it's working great. Okay, what happens if I also put out a snippet on Instagram? Does that start working? Now I got to make that part of my process as well. Uh, right. And so those are your sort of two options. And, and I think that's the, the, the goal is either once it becomes permanent and part of the product, that is now your next baseline to say, okay, what the next, what's the next level of improvement I can make from here? And the same applies to playbooks that you create. Because this, because playbooks are not only just for to help your current team, you know, operate and ensure you're always getting the best out of the work you're putting out. But you know, if you're growing, then you're likely adding people to your team as well. And these become great training documents and having all of your learnings analyzed, you know, in a central location with what with what's worked, what's not worked, they themselves will get a great sense of, okay, here's everything the company's tried. And now I have more ideas for what else we can do, but I also know what's working and I can plug directly into what's working because here's the step-by-step laid out. That's so good. I thank you for sharing that. I really like how you're, you're, you're systematic about how you answer questions. Like here, here's the first way, here's the second, second way. I, I'm just about to wrap up. I also love asking this question. We've talked about so much stuff. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all that stuff. But if you had like one or two pieces of advice to, to businesses right now about growth or anything in general, whether, whether that's culture, whether that's process, whatever you want, what are one or two pieces of advice you want to leave people? Yeah. So I'll, 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 I'll share two, one more immediate and one more long-term. So I think for the immediate, I think it's, it's a fact, right, that every business has been affected by COVID, right? And so all that has done is it has completely changed how customers and potential customers prioritize things in their life. And clearly the old way, old messaging, all of that is not going to work as well anymore. Right? And so what that means is that we have to be even more agile and even more nimble and more frequent with how often we get feedback from our customers about what they're thinking. Because that is really changing week to week. Right? And you can't just sit on your laurels of, oh, this is my persona and I know my persona. You, know, you need to keep re-vetting that is my understanding of my customers' priorities and needs still current because that should then play into all of the tests you do to validate those hypotheses. And so I think it's about you know, being, uh, keeping even more you know, close to your customers than you normally would. Even if you feel you're doing it at an awesome rate, I think there's an opportunity to do it even more. Um, and in many ways, I look at this as you know, the, the process that a lot of teams go through before they hit product market fit, right? Is when you get this deep understanding of the customer and then develop that persona, you know, growth teams come much later. So they've never gone through that work of actually digging into the people and, you know, truly understanding them firsthand. So this, I think, is, a, is an opportunity to behave like a team trying to find product market fit all over again with your customers and their new needs. So that's, I think that's the most immediate thing. Um, and a long-term thing, you know, and this is the thing I think that kills growth uh, at companies is when, whether you're a growth team of one or there's a team, is if you start to get looked at as, hey, the that growth stuff, it's, it's that thing Ramli does on the corner. It's that, you know, that, that's what him and his team do. I, I, I don't care about this growth stuff. It's great. It's awesome. Pour more power to them. Like if that starts to happen, you're done. Right. Because... Again, it's simple math, right? Firstly, there is no magical growth hacker anyway, right? But there is, but 
one person or one team, you know, is just mathematically not going to be able to compete with an entire company that's pulling in the same direction when, when it comes to growth, right? So I would do everything I can to involve the entire company in whatever way possible. If it's soliciting ideas, sharing learnings, uh, upskill, identifying other people who might want to be involved, upskilling existing team members, whatever it is. And I think it's all of the above. Just to make it just a natural part of the DNA of the company that when somebody says, you know, let's try it, it's almost like a reflex. So yeah, we should test it. Versus, you know, it's because the boss said it, that's why I'm going to do it. And I think that's what makes, because if the culture becomes sustainable, then I think your odds of growth being sustainable are that much higher as well. That's so good. I, I <laughs> Rami is that guy who works on the side there. No, it's true. I've I've been in that situation where you know growth has look at look at that. You know, uh, you know, I, I like I like to wrap up now. You know, where can people find out more about you, your work? Where can people find out your book, and where can where can they uh, buy it if they want? Yeah, yeah, sure. So the book is on Amazon. Uh, so and I think there's an ebook as well. You know, so by all means, and like I said, I mean, I I wrote it to be in very actionable for the first person doing growth anywhere in really simple language. So I, I think it'd be useful uh, for a lot of people starting out. Um, and I'm reasonably active on Twitter and LinkedIn uh, as well. So if any of this uh, interview resonated with anybody, you know, happy to nerd out, you know, m- more on o- all of this. So, because I think, you know, if that's the one lesson I took away from Sean, right, is that inspiration comes from anywhere. So you should be open to more people and talking to more people because you never know when that awesome idea is, you know, is going to pop your way. And that's the thing that you will miss if you don't keep yourself open to all the inputs possible that's so good well yeah. i'll tell everybody to get growth hacking for dummies and you know i'll also link your your twitter and linkedin uh, on awesome. the show notes thank you for so much so much for your time anuj i really do appreciate it oh awesome this was a lot of fun thanks well that was it for the 100th episode of road marketing today what do you think what do you think let me know go to twitter at ramley john my dms are open my email is also open, ramley at growtoday.fm. Just let me know if you haven't already done so. I've put together all the actual tips that Anuj gives out to help grow your business right now in a two-page PDF. Why take notes when you can just steal mine and download it right now? You don't have to re- rewind and pause and write notes and rewind. Super annoying. Why waste your time? You can download mine because I've already done that for you. Go to growtoday.fm forward slash 100 to get it right now or find that link in the description. I'd love for you to support me. This is the 100th episode. There's three easy ways. Tell a friend. Tell a friend about this. This this is how podcasts grow. This is how people get to know about podcasts they're listening to. There is no growth growth hack for podcasting other than letting other people know about what you're listening into. You can tell it face to face, email, Twitter, or LinkedIn. You can find some tweetable quotes from this episode. Grow today f.fm forward slash 100. Second, you can also join the Grow Today mailing list where you'll get all the cheat sheets going forward directly emailed to you so you don't have to go back to the site. I will send that to you. Third, you can sponsor me on Patreon for as little as $2 per episode where I release an episode each week. So that's only one cup of coffee a week. 
with that you get some amazing perks you get each episode a day before everybody else you also get each episode that's ad free so you don't have to listen to any of the ads that i put out and third you also get all access to all the growth changes i've created so far that goes back up to a year all the episodes i have with your support i can pay for my hosting fees and marketing tools so i can get more amazing guests you can go to patreon.com forward slash Grow today or find the link in the description if you just started thank you for for joining me in this journey you know until the next one i have more episodes coming up stick around i promise you i'll bring you more value that will help you grow your marketing chops until the next one this is your host ramley john keep safe and as always keep on growing Passion.